So I know that you had to miss seeing me make a fool of myself. I miss the uh, live action, the <laughs> the behind the scenes. Yeah, you, you missed being there for the recording. So. I didn't see you finish it, and then everyone just scream as you walked off stage with a bucket of water getting dumped on your head. Yeah, like, I'm number one. I'm the best actor in the world. All right, I can use a good chuckle. Let me hear it. Okay. So there I was, surrounded by a hundred citizens. Not sure what to do. I looked around in my pockets. I figured out that I still had a beetroot and a spoon. And I figured I might as make well use of what I had. So I looked at those 200 Saracens and I started carving and looking and carving and looking and carving. And I made an ugly face and I held out to the beetroot and I made a terrible face. And, and I threw some dirt in my face and I made my eyes all tear-stained and Arr! And you know what they say whenever you're trying to defeat 500 Saracens. Always put your best route forward. How do you come up with these amazing bylines? I, uh, I cannot take any credit for that in the slightest. Good. If you thought it was. You shouldn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> I messed that up royally. If you want to see a better version of it, best there will be route a forward. That was really the best, best route, the best route forward. Uh, that was the, that was the finisher for it. Yeah. Best route. Like not a turnip. I think a turnip is a much funnier rooted vegetable than a beetroot. If he said turnip, then I forgot it. It's been, uh, Oh week. wait, this wasn't your joke. No. Oh, I feel so much better about our marriage now. <laughs> oh, thank uh, do God. you want me? I mean, do you want me to do my actual joke? I think you've heard that one. I've though. heard. I've heard a couple actual jokes of yours. My uh, my pirate joke. You've have you heard my pirate joke? In the canon at all times. Uh, have you, have give you me, heard? give me your pirate joke. Okay. So, uh, a notorious pirate is sh sailing along with his crew, <clears throat> and do the voice. A notorious pirate was sailing along with his crew. He stands there on the bow of his ship. Cackling, ha <laughs> ha, no one shall catch me in my ship. When all of a sudden he hears, Captain, over there on the starboard bow, there'd be three ships. Three ships, ah, uh, that's going to be a battle. First mate's me. Yes, sir. Can you please bring me me red shirt? Well, the cabin boy, he was new, see, so he came up to the captain. He said, Captain, why are you getting your red shirt? Well, you see, boy after a good old smack in the ear for talking back. I need me red shirt in case I get stabbed or I get fatally wounded. I can keep fighting and the men will keep fighting too because they will see me and they won't see any blood running out, you see. Ah, that's a that's a great idea, sir. As he finishes telling this uh, epic idea, he uh, hears another call from the crow's nest. Sir, there be four more ships off the port bow. Oh, and there be two more coming up on our rear. You, you, you say four and two. Oh, that's that's uh, that's a lot of ships. Uh, Smee. Yes, sir. Uh, while you're down there, can you bring me big brown pants? <laughs> Saw it coming a mile away, but it was still fun. <laughs> did they still have? Did you still have from Deadpool? No, <laughs> no. Uh, that one is 100% from a, uh, good old... Oh, Deadpool stole it from you. No, no, um, I don't know where... I, they probably got them from the same sources, but I got it from a, uh, John Boy and Billy from <laughs> back in the day. 
way back in the day. Where they actually, like, those voices I emulated, so. Yeah, back when they did jokes and. Yeah, and not just political crap. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Remember before 2020, everybody? How nice uh, it was. How nice. So. Remembering that fond time, he's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. Uh, I can absolutely plug the website this week because it has been properly updated. All links are active www.marriedtotheidea.weebly.com is where you can find all the links to all of our episodes from seasons one through four, as well as our Chill Appreciation Steven Universe fan cast, Keep Beach City Quarantined. We are on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you do like Steven Universe, make sure you ca- catch up with that fan cast because we will be coming back later this year with some more minisodes and talking about the Steven Universe future show. Sounds like a adventure show when I say it that way, or some sort of <laughs> marriage to the uh, no. <laughs> Whose lines it anyway? Show. <laughs> Everything's made up, and the podcast doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So today's episode, we've been wanting to talk about this for a little while. I think it was last week that the trailer for Wolf Walkers dropped, and I got real excited. Yeah, I remember you were like, Aaron, we have to watch this. Have I'm, to. I'm like, I don't, I, what are you talking about? And then I watched that, uh, watched the trailer. I was like, this kind of looks interesting. So It's really, really good. And if you've seen the trailer before, uh, you know, boy, this style looks familiar. Uh, it is from the same people who did The Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea, which are the two cartoon saloon movies that we are talking about today. Not we to would be confused talk- with The Breadwinner, which we've already talked about. We wouldn't talk about The Breadwinner, but we've already talked about it. And our, uh, was it the Oscars or the uh, animated uh, Oscars? The animated up. Oscar, and yes, that was exactly right, Aaron. You are, you're speaking ahead of me. I don't oh. like it. No, no, I mean, Sorry. I mean, you're reading my mind. Usually I read yours, and it's a little unnerving to have one's mind thoroughly known before you even know what you're about to say. Well, excuse me, princess. Okay, you've lost me because I definitely didn't have that in there. <laughs> All right. So we are going to talk about just some really good movies today because these are just, these are just good. And they're, not, just great, guys. they're not children's movies. And I, I am going to go on my little soapbox for just a moment here. Animation is not a genre. It is a type of filmmaking. You can't just put all animated movies in one category and vote for it. It's, they don't work that way because... It, in the same way that you can have a family action movie and a extremely adult action movie you can have a family animated picture and an extremely adult animated picture i think having a children's section and a family section does help differentiate the two because secret of kells is no sesame street no even still calling this a family picture is pushing that envelope a little bit i think people tend to look at animation and say oh for children. Yeah. In the subject matter, you would think, oh, this has got to be a family movie or something like that. Not a family movie. I sure hope we're on the tail end of this Victor debate. I hope people have figured it out by now. They still haven't. I'm sure one day they there's will. Th- there's way too many people that, like, they'll say, oh, it's a Disney movie. Therefore, it only children want to watch it. Disney knows that it's not true. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep making live-action remakes catering specifically to the 30-year-olds. <sighs> but they're not. They they're trying are. to get a new audience. Uh, we also are not going to talk about Mulan. If you've seen any uh, review online, you know that it's pales in comparison. And We're not paying $30 either. No, absolutely not. We're not. We're not doing that. I wish it was good. I wanted it to be good. I knew enough to not get my hopes up because I've seen enough of these to know it's not. And the, the thing is, is the only reason I had any kind of hope for Mulan was because 
they were like, well, we're not going to try to do the exact same thing as the 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 animated movie, which is great. It's great. But, but when the thing they're going to change is give Mulan superpowers. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, okay, we are going to tangent on this for just a moment. Now, keep in mind, I... I'll keep us... I'll keep us... You keep two us, minutes. Thank two you. Two minutes. Uh, keep in mind, Aaron and I have not seen Mulan, the no. new one. We have no idea anything about it besides the reviews that I have watched. But here's what I have gathered from the six different reviews I watched of this film. Wow, I haven't, I haven't seen any. While the original Mulan animated version has some flaws, uh, we can't deny that at the heart of the story, it's about a woman who doesn't fit in to the societal structures that growing up in Chinese culture has placed on her of being a perfect bride. However, she also doesn't fit in with the guys, as shown by her silly attempts to try and talk manly and uh, Hey, you know, well, it's just... I have a sword, a too. <laughs> and so the movie was very clear about saying that it's not about falling into either one of those extreme gender stereotypes but instead that she had to use her own cunning and ingenuity. The best example of this is the weights scene, where she uses the weights as leverage to lift herself up to the top of the pole, as opposed to just posturing and toxic masculinity traits of just sure aggression and to get up the pole. And that she embraces both feminine and masculine traits in being true to herself is what makes this better. She never shies no, away from you gotta being... Be I mean, the song is right. Uh, and importantly, part of that is her having to grow. She's not good from Get Out. It's not just women are better okay. than men. So the problem with the new Mulan is that she, from six years old, just has magic superpowers where she has connected with her key and she just can... She's just perfect. She's just perfect. And she's supposed to hide that because she's a woman and women can't have that. Only men can have that. So she doesn't grow or learn. She just releases, she just shows off this superpower she had the whole time and kicks arrows out of the air and does flips off of horses. And she was just good from all get out, which means that little girls can't look at Mulan and say, I could be like her. It's if you have this special secret power inside of you, then you get to be like Mulan. But otherwise, you're just her sister who gets married off because she didn't have any key powers. So so it's like a mix between Man of Steel, hide hide your true powers because the world won't understand, and freaking Dragon Ball Evolution? Yeah. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm really glad you didn't see the movie. I'm yeah no I think especially for paying thirty extra dollars for it it's I would have demanded my money back excuse me Disney Plus can I see your manager it's remarkable how much Disney has quantified how to sell feminism without actually embracing it in a way That's that a movie feminism. in a way that a movie over two decades let me ago, a white man uh, a a very privileged white man tell you seeing that movie today seeing that live action movie today just makes you appreciate more how bad the original could have been and yet how gracefully and tactfully they handle the whole thing about how you actually can be yourself and but also grow and nurture both sides of you and be gender fluid and Jeez. they could have been real bad if this is what we could have done it could have been real bad and oh yeah and then she just takes off all her armor and flies back into battle with her hair down because the male writers clearly thought that a bun has no strategic element in fighting Anyway, yeah, none so if we watch Mulan, we just tear it apart, but we are not going to do that. <laughs> no, we didn't just spend the last three minutes or four minutes doing that. Absolutely so, not. Okay, so let's talk about some good animated movies let's that have no live action remakes Woo! to be, speak of. Um, the Secret of Kells and The Song of the Sea. We're going to split it up. We're going to talk about The Secret of Kells and take a break, and then we're going to talk about The Song of the Sea.
thank you so much for lining it out for me. You are welcome. I thrive on organization. Yep. So uh, we actually, uh, we couldn't find this movie. It was originally on like Netflix or Hulu for the longest time. And I kept saying, I want to watch this movie. I want to watch and this movie. And the minute we chose to watch it, it was gone. Just yep. like Birds of Prey. They're listening. Google's listening downstairs and it's doing this on purpose to us. No, I am not. <laughs> Please continue talking in front of me. We watch these out of order, but we are going to discuss Secret of Kells first. Secret of Kells is the story of the Book of Kells, which if you've never seen it, Google a picture of that right now. It's a fantastic illuminated manuscript. It's everything an illuminated manuscript should be. There's tons of flowers and animals, intricate gold leaf, just a, a stellar piece of artwork. And the director, Tom Moore, was like, how can I turn this into a story? Because the, obviously the Book of Kells has its own story, but the more interesting thing to him was to show how the creation of this book and the keeping safe of this book would, af uh, would affect the people around them. Uh, so we focus on this young boy, Brennan, who wants to become a uh, scripter. He wants to work in the scriptorium with the other monks, and he wants to become an illuminator. He wants to work on these books. His uncle, the uh, abbot of this place, is like, no, the men from the north will come. They will attack. We have to build a wall. A and very strong, sturdy very wall. very strong, sturdy wall. It's the only thing that's going to protect us. And we're going to get mixed good of you. It's not even at all like that. Please don't bring that up. Uh, my, it's my one. <laughs> one per episode. Uh, and then a man comes from across the sea to Kells with a book called the Book of Iona, which is said to... Uh, turn sinners blind and uh, have uh, lightness to scare away the dark, turn darkness into light. He asks Brennan to help him by getting this special ink that will make a bright, vivid green that will help create the book. And he ends up going out into the forest, which is strictly forbidden. It's behind the wall. No one goes out there. And he meets essentially the spirit of this wood. And from there, it's uh, both that friendship and the growing horror that is the men from the north coming closer to Kells. What you would think would be the climax isn't really the climax. It's like there is a point where this thing turns dark. Yes. But it's not the end. And there's no like proud shining moment. Uh, the, the moral of the story is not stand strong and fight your enemies. It's there is a time to run. This is that time. And it's, it's not a cowardly thing to do. It's the only thing they can do to keep this book safe, which is the only thing that will give people hope. It's a very high concept-minded sort of idea for a story like this. Again, I don't get – it's it's beautiful. I want children to see it. My nephew did see it. But in the middle, it gets so dark and we'll sad. Have to ask, yeah, we'll have to ask your sister if she uh, – if they uh, – yeah, if what he, he finished it. Yeah, what he thought of that uh, middle portion. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's not even a, a spoiler. It's more that this story isn't about that. It's about the, the journey of this book and Brendan's growth. There are things and concepts introduced in the beginning that kind of disappear until the end, but it doesn't have the idea of, oh, you forgot to bring this back into the story until the last minute. It's more that's not what the story is about anymore. So let's talk about some of these characters because there we have a couple of voice actors that make reoccurring appearances uh, through both this and Song of the Sea, which was fun to hear two wildly different takes from the same actor just in different ways that they're, he portrayed. They all, yeah they are different but i wouldn't call them wildly different i would say they're um almost branches of the or uh, you know two stems of the same branch if you will mm -hmm. um not that this actor only plays the same kind of character we're but speaking about uh brennan gleason who yeah. you may know if you're a harry potter nut 
as Mad Eye Moody. Or if you like um, in Bruges with uh, as our as friend of the podcast Jonathan, uh, that's one of like his favorite movies. Uh, he is one of the main two characters in it. And he has a very strong voice. And in this uh, movie, in Secret of Kells, he plays the abbot. Uh, the abbot is drawn. Uh, all the all the animation is fantastic, and we will get into that later. But his character design so speaks to him and what he considers to be most important as his arc progresses. That keeping people safe is all he can do, and the way to keep people safe is to build the wall. He's taller, heads taller than any other person in this abbey, and he wears this bright red cloak. And he has this really serious face with this long scar running down the side of it. Like, this man has seen stuff. And he runs this place with an iron fist. And you can tell that he wants the world for Brennan. But he also knows that he considers Brennan to be not with his head in the right place. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, what he thinks is right. And that's one of those generational clashes, which I love to see in movies, where neither side is wrong and neither side is right. But it's two very different generations trying to make sense of the other and see like how we're going to get along when we don't think the same it's it's a unique dynamic um because what brendan the 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 boy the character is trying to do is what the abbot uh, his uncle has uh, essentially already done and was really good at um he was an illuminator before he became obsessed with building the wall to keep everyone safe and apparently there was kind of a prequel comic that uh, you got with the um, the, D- uh, the Blu-ray of this, um, or it was either like a digital one or you, there was a like a physical one, um, and it des- it described what happened to to Brendan's parents, um, and that that Brendan was saved by his uncle and stuff like that. His uncle, it, the Abbot, is very stern and um, he just cannot think of anything but protection for this this village the village of kells and and it makes sense it's there's not really an antagonist besides like this opposing force of the the northmen the the vikings and the animators are really clever about making that much more of a force of nature as opposed to bad guys this is an unthinking unfeeling force but it's not done in a crass racist way you know what i mean yeah (laughs) In, in like the way they're even portrayed, um, the, the the song of the sea has a unique um, art style, uh, which is a little bit more similar to say like Red Winter or um, some of the other anime movies that we've talked about. Uh, but this one particularly, this one hit me in a way that just absolutely reminded me of uh, the show. So, uh, sorry, the show called Clone High. Uh, created by Bill Lawrence, the guy who did Spin City and Scrubs, two amazing shows, uh, Scrubs being one of my favorites of all time. And um, the animation style is this weird kind of angular and circular at the same time, kind of mix of shapes uh, that you I kind of got with this. I don't think there's any connection by any means, but that weird mix between angles and circles and shapes and everything like that. It's got a great character design aesthetic and the world design you can tell that they took the settings and based them off of the illuminated manuscripts the way that different panels sit side by side the way they showed perspective not in any realistic way but how they do it flat on the page when you look at the circle of the wall and the tower in the center from above you don't see just the circle at the top of the tower you see the tower poking up beyond the wall even though it doesn't make sense in three dimensions it does make sense 
in, in two. two dimensions. Yeah. And they take that and then the character design of things like Samurai Jack and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends and create this uh, beautiful flat paper style. Everything's very uh, mosaic. Everything has rhythm and weight. Everything mirrors everything else. And yeah, they 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 play a lot with with that stuff, and it's and it's done really really well. And and in that aspect, and a lot of how the characters move, um, especially the the fairy character, um, Ashlyn, Ashlyn, um, uh, how she moves, and the and uh, the Northmen, how they all move, um, really really remind me of uh, Samurai Jack. Very much so. The way the Vikings move is, and the way the wolves move. So Samurai Jack, the way that the filmmakers are aren't afraid to let the thing breathe in stillness and then move fast, the way that some things move and some things freeze. There's a bunch of really great ways that they incorporate that style. It's it's so fantastic. Uh, and the nice thing about it is, like you said, the fairy character is not of this world. Ashlyn isn't. So she moves differently, both animalistically and in the way that she starts and stops in a way that the human characters do not. Uh, we also would be remiss if we didn't talk about Pangabon. Oh God, this cat the is best the cat. best cat. Um, at, at, and we'll we'll talk about uh, Koo and um, when we get to Song, of the, Song sea. of the Sea. Uh, this cat is adorable. It's it's got very cat like features. At one point, just just naturally, just like water flowing, just leaps down and just naturally just kind of goes and bounds down and just um, so much sass. This cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Beautiful eye rolls and head lifts. And it had um the the heterocho- uh, hetero heterochromia where heterochromia. you have two eyes two different colors unique um little thing but I liked it yeah I was curious at a certain point I think they did it purposely so we wouldn't confuse Pangabon with Ashlyn yeah I because at one point I thought Pangabon was Ashlyn yeah that I got the same sort of vibe too and that's why they, I think they're very clever to say no there is a sort of thing when she uh when she turns Pangabon into a spirit to help Brennan escape the basement. Uh, it thought, I th- the thought crossed my mind that maybe the reason Pangabon has one green eye, just like Ashlyn's green eyes, is that maybe Pangabon is part spirit, and that's how he was able to go through and become a spirit animal for a time. It's quite possible because um, I also think it's kind of a f- – it would be interesting that if Pangabon was part spirit – in in part just you know regular animal because um ashlyn is you know a spirit and brennan isn't brennan has blue eyes ashlyn has green eyes and uh, pangamon has one green and one blue eye that's a great way hun. i hadn't even considered that part too but yeah like again everything has a purpose i adore things where I, I you know it's always fun to have a bit of mystery but i like what when decisions are purposeful and work together in a way that you view upon second or third viewing like oh yeah that's what's going on there i we'll get a little spoilery but um i think the the whole thing shifts when brennan tells his uh tells the abbot uh, no i'm not going to stop learning how to illuminate i'm not going to stop i want to do this and more than that it's important this movie tries very hard to convince you to to believe at the same time that these people believed in their time that this book is valuable not for the cover but for what it contains and how it is the result of hundreds of thousands working page by page line by line to create this manuscript it's it's holy it's reverent it's important 
And the fact that Brennan does say no to his uncle is is quite a I didn't expect it because Brennan really does admire his uncle and he wants to do he knows he believes his uncle that when he says to build a wall, that is the right thing to do, even when everyone else in the Abbey doubts him. And it's um, it astounds me, too, because uh, at one point, um, the the person who brings the book, uh, Brother Aiden, uh, he says that there's something unseen that stops the boy uh so when he says that it it made the light bulb click is there something unseen uh stopping that boy that would make unfortunately it would make the abbot a little bit more of an antagonist oh you think that it was more if you if we had pushed it farther if it wasn't just that that brennan was afraid to disappoint his uncle and it was it was that his uncle was a force in his mind stopping him from reaching his true potential because he wanted to make him happy I do like that you saying to push it further to make it more physical that it's literally a physical presence upon Brennan. There is a little bit of that represented in the movie. Um, so I guess a little bit of spoiler warning. Um, he has to fight off a creature called the Crom to get the eye of Crom to be able to finish the book. And that's where this movie works well as it does kind of mix the fantastical and the realistic very well together. Um, but what the... Um, the the Krom is one of like I like the introduction of Krom because that is an old world god that is a dark one. If we're looking at darkness to light, this is one of the old gods. Is one of the pagan gods, uh, trapped inside this cave in the middle of the woods, seeking to get out, searching with his ever hungry eye. Uh, it's it's great world building again, drawing on the influences of the real world at the time of this story to play out. But then mixing it with fantastical where. He literally uses his illuminating skills to draw himself free. And Krom literally turns blinded into an Ouroboros, just a snake eating itself into eternity, which is, again, another old world god. It's just all these cool things, all this cool mythology coming to play together in this in this story. I'm Yeah, and it's and that's where like I liked the mix between the realistic and everything like that. And I think if you wanted to have more of an allegory setting, because there was some allegory tucked in into the fantastic and some, you know, overtones in the realistic. So I, I don't know, like, I don't feel like this movie lacked direction in that mindset by any means. Um, it just, there was, there's kind of like, it's almost like a fish shaped a little bit is whenever you have the the regular story, it's whenever he leaves the, the wall, it kind of almost diverges a little bit, bubbles out, and then comes back in and uh, sticks together for the rest of the movie. I think it goes to show that when you talk about the Abbot being possibly an antagonist, I think the better thing to look at it is as the story progresses, it becomes less of Brennan's story and more of the Abbot's story in a way that doesn't devalue Brennan's contribution to the story. But once Brennan makes his stand against the Abbot and once he escapes, um, it's more so him growing, learning more, but kind of passing on the traditions of Brother Aiden in the book. Uh, meanwhile, we see the Abbot. It's such a, such a beautiful line, and it's so fitting he sees the scriptorium on fire. He assumes that Brennan is dead. And when the other only other surviving monk comes to get him and, and help him because he's wounded, he's like, just leave me. I'm so tired. And you can tell this man has given everything into the safety and security of this place. And with, but, and, but it wasn't even that. To the safety and security of his nephew to keep him safe. 
And now that he is dead, what is even the point? He's so tired. There's nothing worth keeping. And we see a little bit of that beforehand, um, too. Uh, he is doing so much to build the wall, and his other brothers are not doing as much to help build the wall. And that's not what ultimately leads to their dis- dis- demise, um, because that's not what the Northmen that would that's not what would have stopped the Northmen um, or the Vikings. Uh, but there, you see a couple times uh, the abbot uh, come out of the wall of, after building and just starting to slump because he's a very tall. He's the tallest of them all. Like he starts like slouching a little bit, and you just tell that he's just worked his body to the point almost of breaking. So, um, and it's, you know, it just reminds me of like, whenever you have that project, you know, you and I have done that here recently where we're just like, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. We got like, all we have to do is this tonight, but we got to do this tomorrow night, but we got to do this tomorrow and the night after. So, um, you know, just we trying to prep and when lives are on the line, you do so much, you work your body to the bone. So in, when he said, when he said that line, I honestly thought I'm like, he's, he's, this is him dying yeah and and he doesn't he continues in his old age finding only the solace in the small piece of illuminated manuscript that brennan had made before he left and realizing that that was the important thing and again the, the movie does such a good job of that that it's not about one being right or one being wrong like the animation team does a great job of showing just the force of nature of the vikings as opposed to it's an unthinking unfeeling uncaring entity and there's at many points during the movie you actually see like or you get this scope um even though it's not told it's almost told more flat in in this book form uh it's told uh you see a kind of a scope of the the wall and the city of kells or the the this area of the kells and um, the wall is not a small, uh, you know, just little you know, knee high or this eight foot tall. This is upwards to 40, 50, 100 feet tall. And when the when the Northmen attack, it looks like it's only 10 foot tall. It looks like it looks like LeBron James could go whoop and ride over, you know, they could have done. They could have made this wall 5000 feet high and it wouldn't have stopped them. I, yeah, you, I, you could have built your entire life from birth to death. And it would not have been enough, mm-hmm. and that's that's the problem I think with the um, with that hubris that was never was not discovered until too late, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I think the scene uh, with the abbot trying to help people get up the stairs and into the tower, and it and like they realize like they put so much into the wall that a simple staircase to go um, and actually. Did you realize that there is a little bit of a hint to that? Uh, how so? When he is up on the scaffolding and he trips in, and falls through? In, like, the scaffolding, it, like, they said, oh, be careful, the scaffolding is a little uh, wonky. Scaffolding is not something that's super structurally sound. It's not meant to be. Yeah. But, like, even then, scaffolding, like, it's supposed to be able to support weight, and a boy manages to break something. Yeah. Like, that, that's it's foreshadowing. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It, it, yeah. And like it just the the and he said and you hear him just like see what's about to happen almost Final Destination style and like he's like it's there's too much weight there's too many people oh my god close the door and like he and it's just like it's just like making small sacrifice or making a huge sacrifices to save as many people as you can it's oh it's in this whole scene it's just 
it's wrecking you because you're seeing it from the abbot's point of view and you're like you're like go fight do what you can and of course he's the first hit like there's a giant arrow a very samurai jack-esque one arrow one lone arrow gets shot over halfway through the freaking city of cowls into him yeah so it's it's this all this movie is it, it it's very slow methodical build up for a very big payoff so and then almost like then, mouse trap <laughs> and even then we're not even done like we have to have a, a come down now we have to like find our way to where is the story what was the point why are we here and we see brennan getting older and older learning more and more and we eventually see him come back and we see Ashlyn lead him back to the city of Kells, uh, to his uncle, who is still so tired, just le- looking out the window, looking at this little scrap of paper, so tired. And I just want to, I just want to go, I'm so tired. I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go to sleep. And this then, poor man. And yet he's aged, yet this other man has not aged a day. Oh, yeah, the, the, the little monk with the very long beard. Yeah. Like, uh, and and Pengamon is still around even after. Uh, yeah, Pengamon. Yeah, that's sort of like that's. I think uh, Ashlyn maybe uh, gave gave a little bit of a gift. So I like that idea. Uh, Has- and then ha- hashtag Pengamon's a spirit now. And then Brennan comes back, and he's like, "It, I should have known. You were right, and I should have known, and I should have appreciated it, and we should have done this. And all I have left is this." And he's like, "I saved it." And they open up the book, and the hero page, which is the page, if you've ever even heard of the Book of Kells, that is the big main page that everybody talks about, this beautiful page. And you can even tell that the animators looked at it to pull out things, like this little image of Brennan in the middle of uh, the page. Yeah, it's like it goes to like, it goes like little Brennan, mature Brennan, and then like the actual picture itself. It's like, this is where we got inspiration from. <laughs> All the little animals creeping around the vines, which is what he did with Ashlyn when he was painting in the forest to show yeah. her what a book was. All of these little parts of his life all come together inside this hero page. And it really, it's its even less supernatural and more supernatural all at once. It's the book that turns darkness into light. It's not magical, but it is. It's just a book, and yet it's so much more. The effect that it has on you is magical, and that's what matters. So we've got, like, less than a minute, and I'm going to kind of keep us on track. We have not talked about Ashlyn yet. Well, that's, you know, I love Ashlyn as a character. I love her design. Like, I feel total Wolfwalker vibes coming off of her. So Yeah, I think, like, well, I think uh, the the two characters that we see in Wolfwalker in the trailer for Wolfwalker, I think, is a little bit more expl- – I think – the part that Brendan and Ashlyn have this these few scenes with it, I think they made this entire movie because they wanted to explore more of that. And I'm actually very excited because that was my favorite part. I enjoyed the rest of the movie, but this very well thought out and explored friendship was I I was a little disappointed. I thought Ashlyn was going to like I thought it was going to show that Ashlyn matured too, but it didn't. She's she's timeless. So and and I like. Oh, okay. Uh, like disappointed, but at the same time, not so. I do like that they bring her back at the end to yeah. uh, lead 
front and back through the woods as the white wolf. I, I wish that I wish they had a moment even, but with how they ended it, it like I think she kind of had to sacrifice her. She had to sacrifice something to allow him to get through. Yeah, there's a little bit of um, of of melancholia. It's it's almost like could she even have been perhaps not real? Is it that he can't remember her now that he has grown older? Song of the uh, Sea kind of has the same vibe. The older you get, the less you see of magic in the world around you. And I feel maybe. like... Maybe. Everything else that has come to has happened to you uh, doesn't allow you to see the magic. Yeah, maybe he can't see her the way she truly is anymore. Yeah. Maybe it, this is all that they have. It, it's got that melancholy of you can never be... Tr you can never go back to where you've been. You can go back, but you'll always be a visitor as opposed to living in that... You know, that's why nostalgia is so powerful. You want to feel like you did then, but you can never go back. It's so hard because you can't really realize that you are missing something until it's gone. But I also loved her very big feet. I, lo I, I loved her eyes and the just like her, her attitude. I, loved I love it. the way the cartoon saloon draws women tucking their hair wisps behind their ear. So good. So on point. So on point. All right. So um, we are going to quickly do our sponsor dome. Two sponsors enter, one sponsor leaves. And uh, then we'll jump back into the Song of the Sea. As always, our main sponsor is Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free Audible, excuse me, audiobook for the 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes a unmatched selection of audiobook, audiobooks, audio, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. The book that we recommend for you this episode is going to be, funnily enough, The Book of Kells by R.A. McAvoy, narrated by Alan Robertson. Uh, the synopsis for this is a contemporary man, John Thornburn, a meek, nonviolent, and unpredictable artist, and woman, Derville, his tough, confrontational, uh, strong, and warrior-like lover, time travel to ancient Ireland to avenge a Viking attack. Packed with fascinating details of historical time and place in Irish history and delicately balanced on the border between realism and fantasy, the story centers around one of the most famous and beautiful illuminated manuscripts in history, the legendary but entirely real Book of Kells. And it's only about 14 hours long, so you know, good for, good for uh, maybe a, a road trip. Good for a road trip, which brings us to our second sponsor. We are going to talk about... Tables for Games. Uh, there are a couple things that I could talk about this week. I just went to the Maker City Summit, which is this great Knoxville get-together that the makers of our city do every year. This year was virtual, but I got to hang out with a bunch of really cool makers, uh, a lot more than I have any other year, to be honest. And if you are a Knoxville maker, I highly recommend checking out the Maker City uh, directory, the Maker City Instagram, all of their sites. But um, I would really like to talk about Tables for Games, T A B L E S number four G A M E S, because we did very much miss Dragon Con this year and said, you know what? If mm -hmm. we're not going to spend money on Dragon Con, we better spend money on something else. So we went hunting for a gaming table, a table that has an insert in the center where you can put your board games, your puzzles, your dice, anything that you need to play with, and then put a topper right on top, nestled inside, and then you can have dinner. And you don't have to worry about packing anything up or the 
cats getting up and eating your puzzle pieces, it's completely secure. <laughs> uh, and we can't speak from experience or anything. This was a really great experience buying this table. Uh, we have the table in our house now. We have just finished sanding and staining it. They offer that option. If you want an unfinished table, you can go ahead and finish it yourself if you have very specific needs or are real cheapos like us. But if you want a genuine craftsman completing this table to finish specifications, uh, the owner of Tables for Games does that too. Uh, he runs this business out of his garage and half of his orders are from people like us RPGers who want a place to keep all of our games set and half from little old ladies who want to make puzzles and also have tea uh, <laughs> they, he uh, offers uh, different ranges of table lip width so you can have a skinnier or thicker range, a variety of sizes, depending on how big your room is. We went with the smallest option because we live in a very teeny Second tiny smallest. House. I think there was a smaller option. There might have been. Uh, either which way, he even uh, increased the height of the whole thing by two inches to accommodate for Aaron's very long knees. I'm tall, y'all. And uh, I know that he appreciates that special touch. Uh, but it was such a nice experience uh, talking to the gentleman who ran this and talking about how this is just something that he had a passion for and a great skill for. And now that we have the table in our house all finished, I completely, not a single part of me regrets this purchase. So if you would like to consider purchasing a gaming table, uh, I know that he has a quicker turnaround than most places. I know that there are many big names for gaming tables out there. And of course, I can't disparage against any of them. But I will say that their turnarounds are months, if not years, for those tables. Now, to to be fair, um, when we talked to him after we picked up our table, he is booked until, like, January mm -hmm. at minimum. Yes. But if you are like us, you probably are thinking, oh, I want to buy a gaming table. I better start saving up for this. So now is the perfect time to start planning out for that. Uh, so, again, that is Tables for Games. Uh, you can check out his website, check out the work that he provides, and if you live close enough to go pick it up like we did, you can actually go meet this really cool craftsman. Uh, yeah, he was uh, super cool, and it was really cool to see like his the process of his work. You know, uh, my dad and I have done some woodworking, and you know, we built the desk that we do our um, our home office on, and we're actually about to build some built-in shelves. I have an idea to do like a bench now that we're we've gotten rid of kind of the table and stuff like that. Um, I'm really excited to be able to do this stuff and getting to see someone who has done woodworking, you know, to a bigger degree than I would say I have. Um, but seeing someone like this be able to go, oh, yeah, this is like I've, I've been able to kind of pick this up and go run with it. It's like, oh, that's really neat. When so, a man has all the tools that he needs to get a job done. Yeah, yeah. Um, my dad and I were talking about this after we picked up the table. He goes, yeah, there's there's this guy who was making some really neat stuff. But, like, if you looked into his workshop, he has, like, thousands of, like, tools and really cool stuff. And it's like, yeah, I could do any of that if I had those tools. It's so. amazing how much the tools make the man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the tools make it the man. And we'll, uh, we'll be putting a link on our Facebook and uh, on the SoundCloud as well. Uh, so let's talk about Song of the Sea, which was the second movie from Cartoon Saloon. It's important to note that all of these movies that we have mentioned so far, uh, Breadwinner, Song of the Sea, Secret of Hells, have all been nominated for Academy Award nominations. These are just fantastic pieces of animation, and they absolutely deserve the recognition. Of uh, course. Well, and the thing is, too, is for a while there, 
only Pixar was making animated movies, Disney, uh, Disney's animation studio wasn't really doing much besides television. And um, even then, they weren't doing that much. Uh, so when these more independent companies who could get a little bit of distribution, just enough to get those nominations, would be picked up very quickly for the nomination. Yeah, which Song of the Sea came out back in 2015 or 16. Um, 14. 14, exactly. And it is just now, this year, come on Netflix, which means this movie has been just languishing crabs on its side of the ocean this whole time without us even knowing that it existed. Yeah, like two Americans might be like, oh, this is such a great movie. We just kind of just recently discovered it. And, you know, a bunch of uh, British and Irish kids are like, oh, we fucking knew about it forever ago. Um, so in uh, Secret of Kells is uh, 09. So. Yeah. Um, I do want to let you know that Tom Moore, who directed both these films, um, was inspired by The Thief and the Cobbler, Aaron, as you had picked out. You're like, you know what this reminds me of? Uh, market and i quote some friends in college and i were inspired by richard williams unfinished masterpiece the thief and the cobbler and the disney movie mulan which took indigenous traditional art as the starting point for a beautiful style of 2d animation i felt that something similar could be done with irish art and i think they I, nailed that with I, I, I like where mulan has like the fun swirls in the clouds mulan is the most successful of this kind of artwork or this kind of style i would put secret of kells number two and then thief of thief and the cobbler at number three moana i feel does a pretty good job with incorporating uh, indigenous art and culture into its design and art style but in not, 2d it's not, a bit easier not, to make clouds that look like those swirls that we expect to see yeah like because mulan and secret of kells and even Thief and the Cobbler, there's like in the details, the swirls in the clouds, the way people's hair furls around themselves. Um, absolutely, Mulan is in that category. Secret of Kells, 100%. Thief and the Cobbler, it's it's in the details of it. So like when when you set someone up and how they are built, Moana, Moana is absolutely a, a Maori film, but it's not like it's still a... 3d if it was so 2D, hard to do in 3d yeah it's... like if it was all in the style of uh like maui's tattoos then yes we did i mean we've said that before time and time again if they would just make a 2d film off of little 2d things like if princess and the frog it was 2d animated but if they had done it like her dream sequences just with that sketchy fun uh, flat shape style i would have dug that too <laughs> as much as movies we go like oh i wish they just done the the whole thing that way okay i guess it's fine it's fine a little bit of good news this, uh, Tom Moore also directed Wolfwalker, so yes, uh, Tom. Well, he's kind of like the guy at this studio. His, this is kind of his baby. Secret of Kells was the first that this studio produced, and it, it's a banger. So, yeah. I mean, first move, the first movie that you make and it gets nominated for an Oscar. That's some that's some big clout. So, um, but if you, uh, dear listener, have never watched or even heard of The Thief and the Cobbler, check it out. And then don't be taken aback by how similar to Aladdin it looks and feels. Uh, it came out, it was made and thought of well before Aladdin. There's like whole comparisons to that Thief and the Cobbler was conceived well before Aladdin. And then Aladdin stole from it. But then Aladdin came out first because it had such a long production time. And then... Thief and the Cobbler actually stole back from Aladdin. It was this whole thing. It's a whole to do. It's but all it's, very incestuous. But the thing is, is the when there's what's called the recobbled cut, 
do not watch the what like was actually quote unquote produced because there's these random things. There's an unnecessary uh, narration. Blah 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 blah. There is some amazing illustrations and uh, animations in this thing. Like where normal um, uh, animation will sometimes take say thirty um, frames per second or thirty um, cells per second. It took almost a they did almost a hundred the fluidity behind some of these scenes is amazing it's just mind-boggling how much work went into this movie and then of course it didn't get fully done either so song of the sea has an interesting visual <laughs> style too david i'm i'm the i'm the queen of pivots uh there's this nice way that animation works when you look at the way that Cartoon Saloon does it, especially with Song of the Sea, which we are going to talk about now. The art direction for Song of the Sea still has the feel of Secret of Kells, but instead of being so reliant on line work, it actually kind of has things happen in these hand-painted environments where only textures and line colors and widths show what's going on. Like, there are no hard lines on the beaches or the rocks or the figures it's all told very much through shape and texture and color they do they do their best to not have any lines which is almost more of like a cut paper kind of that's exactly what i was thinking a cut paper aesthetic yeah um it's it's a it's hard it's not harder it's just different it provides a different feel but it's the easiest way to draw to have just your hard line differentiating things as opposed to color and line work uh, but Song of the Sea, getting back to the plot of it all, uh, is about this family who loses their mother in the middle of childbirth to the this little girl who cannot speak. She's about to celebrate her birthday, still cannot talk, has never spoken a word. Mute. And her brother, who was looking so forward to having a new baby sister, but connects it to the disappearance and death of his mother, and thereby shuns her turns on her ew girls icky it's it's heart wrenching and so real and it's always the hardest when it's a real situation and they live out on this little island tending the lighthouse which is what their father does their father who has grown more and more distant year by year who doesn't even notice his son really anymore and really just knows his daughter because she reminds him so much of his wife all these sad little things uh and uh, all the boy has is the stories his mom told him she, he's got a huge hero worship of her and his dog Koo. oh yeah there's there's a lot of hero worshiping and um grasping onto straws like like whenever you're whenever you have someone that passes away um especially if you're young uh you tend to try to remember the only the good times and if there's only one good time um i know i've heard some stories about people who uh, were in like abusive relationships with people but they had one really good day where they went and had um a cheeseburger from burger king or so they are addicted to burger king or they like whenever they need to feel better they go and get a burger from burger king sometimes it's a it's an innate uh response uh that people do it's a sense memory yeah exactly so he was he always remembered all the stories that she told him trying to pass down her lore of her people so uh, turns out, a uh, <laughs> little girl can't speak, but she can play the seashell instrument that her mother left behind, 
and uh, finds her mama's pretty white coat and follows these little lights down to the beach. And what do you know? She's a selkie, the most adorable little white selkie you've ever seen. This cute little seal pup, adorable. And of course, when they find her washed from the beach, they're like, oh, you, we, we can't let the children be here anymore. The grandma who has come for her birthday is like, I, I'm, I'm taking the kids. They can't be here on this island, all secluded, all alone. I'm taking them to the city. I got to get them a better life. Um, yeah, I it, know you hate this grandmother character. No, I, no, no, I no. sympathize with this grandmother character so I, hard. Yeah, I hated her at the beginning, and then I sympathized with her because there's a moment um, in, later on in the story where another character says something, and it makes me realize why the grandmother is the way that she is, and she does eventually become a lot more caring and understanding. This and is the allegory that you were speaking of, how you wanted yes, Secret of you, Hells to go. You are correct, and I didn't realize it until you said it. You are correct. Thank you. Because we Thank watched you, Liz. Because <laughs> we watched Song of the Sea first, because it was the first one we could find to watch, and uh, we were. I was doing that ugly sobbing at the end of this where you try to hold it back and you are just making way more noise than if you just cried uh but yes this movie does such a great job with how the characters and the magical creatures that they encounter there are direct parallels purposeful intentionally direct parallels made more apparent by the fact that some of the human characters pull double duty and voice also their magical character counterparts. So there's a story about a giant king who loses his love and cries so much that he creates an ocean. Threatens um, to drown the world. Yeah, and um, his mother, the owl queen, Maka, uh, Maka uh, removes his sadness and turns him to stone so he doesn't have to feel anymore. Um, when the story is first told, you feel, oh, this is a terrifying ghost story when evil mom character. And then when we finally do meet Maka, we realize, oh, this is tragic. And as all best stories, there is no real antagonist. There is only people thinking of the heroes of their stories and making mistakes. Exactly. And that's that's what I, and I remember whenever we do meet Maka. That's when the story not necessarily turned for me, but it went from like good to great. Oh, it kicked into high gear. There's yeah. something really good about that. You are exactly right. Um, they get to the city, and this poor little child is just sniffling. She caught a cold. She cannot catch a break. Her brother puts her on a dog leash, retractable, to carry <laughs> her around the city. Oh, just so bad. And he's like, "All I want to do is get back to Koo. I just want my dog. It's all I want, and I'm gonna go get him." And we find these little fairies living in this roundabout in the middle of the city who like, oh, we found a selkie. Oh, thank goodness you can send us home with your song. She's mute. Can't sing her song. And it's up to them in this very, again, like beautifully circuitous way. All he's trying to do is get to Koo, which then turns into get his sister her coat, which turns into save pretty much all of the fae folk. Yeah. And uh, and it's uh, it, it does come full circle because his mother sings him the song. So again, this hero worship grasping grasping the straws. He knows the song by heart, but he can't sing. He can't carry a tune, or he he can't sing it like he's, she. He's not a selkie. His he, song wouldn't work. Exactly. So he sings it to her at the end, and when she does finally sing, 
it does release everybody. And it's a passing oh. of the torch. You can tell that he has never shared this with her. Yeah. He's, like, he's very like, no, this is mine, 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 mine. Yeah. Like older, like older She's only child my syndrome. Stuff. She's doing this. She's doing that. Why won't she just let me have my things when all a little kid wants is just to be accepted and hang out with their big sibling? It was so, oh, God, that was so heartbreakingly cute. Um, oh, God. I've been on both sides of that a couple times, <laughs> actually. I, even though I'm an only child, I've I, I had uh, cousins on both sides, and I wanted to hang out with my older cousins. And my younger cousins were so annoying at times, and it's just like, and of course now I, I adore my younger cousins, and I don't talk to my older cousins at all. It's so beautiful when she does sing and she does open up, and it's, God, yeah, we were both ugly crying. I was crying for two reasons, but I was crying as well because it was so beautiful, and then. The mother comes back, and it's it's a six-year-old movie. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I suppose, when has that ever mattered? When has that ever mattered? It doesn't matter. I'm sorry, uh, guys. Spoilers. This movie has, like, again, if you watch movies enough for a purpose, not just to enjoy yourself, but to analyze them, you start to see things. And uh, the minute that all of these fake creatures are released from their stone prisons and start walking off into the West – Lord of the Rings style. You're thinking like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. How many endings are they gonna have? <laughs> and then, and then her mom comes back, and I'm like, ah. And I knew immediately as soon as her mom came back, I'm like, she's gonna take that child. She's gonna take this sweet little cinnamon roll with her, and these poor men are gonna be left with nothing on the rock on the sea, and I can't have that for them. It was, it was so heartbreaking, and you could tell that she was heartbroken to do what she had to do for them, and. Oh God! It was it was such a beautiful woman scene. Who gave up her life to save their baby, but then couldn't be there for her, her baby. humanity. Her humanity, she was so yeah, yeah. Again, I do love the seal design. I love all the character design. Maka's design is so cool. And Aaron, you also called it. It's a it's a very Ghibli. Yeah, it, it was it felt very inspired by Ghibli. Big old ladies. Oh, uh, big old it's, ladies. It's not Ghibli. It's uh, oh God! I just saw something about it. It's not. You don't pronounce the G. It's like a either a c like a chibli or chibli. or um or a j it's it's not the g um G ghibli it's not yeah ghibli, ghibli or an e, it's we 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 here in the states uh, mispronounce it so i really enjoy that more even more so, so than kells like this thing really does hit all the spots that it needs to um without being predictable i feel like it isn't the hero's journey in the way that so many Disney movies kind of play the I want song. And, like, we've, we, I think we've talked about this before that all Disney movies from, like, the truly great Renaissance period have the character sing an I want song, which is a staple of musical theater. Yeah. But if your movie, your animated movie, is not a musical, because, again, not all animated movies are the same, get it right. Come on, guys. How do you, what do you do then for this? Well, if we really want the character to, under, to undergo growth, they don't have to necessarily do the hero's journey. You can. Have this securitist pout just about being selfish, trying to get your dog back, which leads to trying to get your sister her coat, which leads to saving her life, which means freeing every other fae folk, which means like all these things. Boom, but a boom, but a boom. And it's not intentional. Uh, at a certain point, they are in this cool little uh, holy well. They are taking shelter from the storm because it's cold and wet out, and they go inside this this little uh, hovel in the ground where the roots of this tree are and there's a pond and like all these pictures of the Virgin Mary up on the wall. And I'm like, I want to live in this little hut right here. It's so <laughs> warm and nice. 
And she realizes... But where would you fit all your books? But where would I fit all the books? So she sees that her brother, you know, has finally cared for her, finally does really, truly care about her and wants the best for her. He carries her through stinging nettles so she doesn't get her feet hurt and puts her on Koo so Koo can walk with her and takes the leash off her so she can just be her own person and teaches her and, and lets her hold on to the shell. And she looks at him and she, you can see her thinking, I am the reason that he's going through all this. I, I should leave. I'm, I'm the cause of his suffering. And how, like, just, and what a great way to show that he can't swim. He doesn't want to swim. He's afraid of swimming. And that to be a subtle thing that they work again and again until finally at the very end he has to swim to save his sister all the way down to the bottom of the ocean. Just, again, all these little breadcrumbs laid out so specifically to bring us back. You don't even realize it. Um, part of his character design is that he wears a, a life vest. A life vest. Very Marty McFly. Yeah, but, it, like, you don't even realize. You think it's just, like, a, a vest of some sort. It's a life vest. Because he is afraid of swimming, and he has been since he was a kid, and you know it's it's a very um, uh, his mom realistic. Quote unquote, drowned in the sea. <laughs> yeah, and like, and it affects him uh, more than once in the movie. There's a comedic moment, and then there's a lot of like dramatic moments with it. And then when he finally like takes it off, it's like it's a big moment for him. It's like he takes it off, and he's like he, he's I think on the rowboat with his dad, and he goes, "I have to do this, dad," and he jumps into the sea into the roiling sea so it's and it's i'm like i knew it was whenever i realized like you don't even think about it but whenever you do it clicks i'm like when this happens it's gonna be big so and i appreciate kids defying their parents in a very specific way when it's to save someone not for their own passion it's not like i'm gonna run away you can't stop me i need to live my bliss when it's my sister's gonna die and i'm the only one who knows how to fix this and it's going to hurt my dad, but I can't worry about that. I have to save her. There's so many. Now, I did misspeak, 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 misspoke Mis earlier. Misspoke. Uh, when I say it's not a musical, I mean the characters don't break into non-diegetic numbers that include the whole town. There's lots of music in this. For a movie called Song of the Sea, it's very aptly named. Uh, it starts at the very beginning where we learn the Selkie song. Uh, and then we see lots of other songs. We see a reprise of that often. The little elves living in the middle of the city. They play the fiddles to all their frozen <laughs> brethren. Who said that? Ah, never mind. It was a good idea anyway. And that, all these... I thought that was I thought that was a really great point or a really fun scene. So fun playing the the instruments all the time. So it's it's highly musical, but it's not a, a musical. musical. It's it's like a it's like sing or something like that where there is music and there are characters singing but it is not a uh is it diegetic it music? is all diegetic it's it all happening diegetic. in the world yeah. of the story so good uh, job remembering that term babe dun, 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 dun. there's a character we haven't mentioned yet and I do want to touch on him before we wrap up uh the character with the long hair hiding in the dark so um all three of the main adult characters around um the the kids uh ben and sorsha um his his father connor uh double does do double duty as the giant king uh Maclear. uh his grandmother granny does do double duty as uh maka uh and she does a great job this actress uh fiona flanagan um does a great job uh 
the the guy who does the fairy is kind of like his the closest thing. That's who it is. Yes. I'm like, who was the analog? Because there has to be an analog. I thought it was just a random character. It's the weird guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So at one point, like the when, at the near the beginning of the movie, the granny is coming over the the, in the, the ocean in the in in the barge. And he is taking her over, and he's, like, trying to talk to her, and she just, like, rolls up the window in his face. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't like you. <laughs> like, I, I'm not here for but, this. And I'm like, and for me, I'm like, I don't like you either. But uh, he is the same He is the same voice actor for both, and it makes sense because he does end up helping find, or does help Ben, the main character, or besides Sorsha, find his sister. Mm-hmm. So, And when he reconnects with his mom via wall flashback better than frozen 2 yeah <laughs> they were talking about magical white oh, caves where, God, you, where yeah. you see your mom again and understand things better uh, uh, i mean a lot of things are better than frozen 2 so i'm glad that we found that connection because i knew it was there also, two irish movies better than artemis Fowl. how to get my one in <laughs> we just can't go a day nope aaron will say that song of the sea was a better movie. I and w- I liked Song of the Sea conducively more. It is a it high felt, emotional. It is it is playing on your heartstrings. It is meant to make you feel. I I felt like uh yeah, a, a Secret of Kells was a great movie as well. Uh but I felt like there were point there it, it it wasn't as closely knit. Secret of Kells to me was more of a piece of artwork. The fact that it builds itself so heavily on a historical piece of artwork is in a book at that. Like it's it's nerd bait for me. I'd go <laughs> crazy for that kind of stuff. And, and and there's nothing wrong with that. For me, I liked Song of the Sea more because there's a cohesive story throughout everything. And it there it and again you're right, um, with the allegory we woven through the realistic and the fantastical, plus there is a cohesive story from beginning to end. Not saying that there isn't one for Secret of Kells, but there's there's more. The f- realistic and the fantastical are split almost entirely, and um, it's and then once one thing happens, it just kind of there's some bouncing off of each other instead of being so intricate, intricately woven like Song of the Sea. Um, so I, I, yeah, I gotta admit, I like Song of the Sea a little bit. I love the artwork and the animation for Secret of Kells. I did not dislike the movie in, in the slightest. Um, in fact, I, I really have to give it to the, the casting directors for this because they found some amazing voice actors in these kids. The voice actor for Ben in Song of the Sea is the same, uh, main kid from Moon Boy. And all oh, I want to yeah. do, all I want to do now is go watch Moon Boy again. You really did enjoy that. I love that show. I I, I love the um the the guy who created the show. He did such a great job as Ben. He was a you know a snot bo- a snot nosed little punk at times, but he could be not when he needs. Um, but Sorsha, when she needed to, she could bring emotion. And Ashlyn, Ashlyn was like like she she did like they and. They found some amazing voice actors in these kids. You don't always get that in kid actors, nope. especially when it comes to voice acting. Because sometimes kids are more expression or have better expressions in their faces than they do in their voices. So yeah, it can be tricky. And I think they, I think you're right, Aaron. The the voice acting, both of these on par. The animation, stellar. The stories are great. 
The visuals are fantastic. The music is wonderful. I was humming that siren song, that Selkie song, for, for days afterwards. Uh, yeah. Uh, so as we said, we recommend both of these. Wolf Walker is coming out at the end of this year. We are very excited for it, but I am even more excited, Aaron, for the next movie that they're doing. Would you like to know what it is? I'll give you a hint. It's up here on my shelf, and I have directly said before, when we talk about what book should get adapted into an animated movie, it's this one. I, Finally, someone has been reading my fan mail. I, uh, I, I have to admit, I don't know, because I know we've talked about this, but I don't remember what you said. It's going to be a Netflix original. Ooh. coming out in 2021 and that was back in 2018 so we'll see how that goes with the current yeah. things well yeah artemis fowl was you know artemis fowl had a lot of hopes behind it too yeah. and here we are yeah well this is going to be another animated movie from cartoon so this is going to be their fifth R right movie that, that gives it a lot more uh strength behind it so. it does especially for a book with an established art direction i'm really excited to see where they go with this the book that they are adapting is my father's dragon. Hey, that's fun. Which I have loved ever since I was a child. Is one of the best adult kid books you could possibly get. It's got that great sensibility. It's that wry humor. And it's just, it appeals to every bit of my little kid brain. I cannot believe someone finally said, oh yeah, this book deserves to be something. And I couldn't be happier after watching their entire compendium that Cartoon Saloon is like, yeah, we could adapt this. Because so much of the stuff so far has been from the mind of Thomas More. And I'm yeah. excited to see what will happen when they have to adapt, again, Something existing, else. an existing piece of literature to see what they can do with that. Uh, and if you've never read My Father's Dragon, I highly recommend it because I will gush about it forever when that movie actually does come out. Uh, maybe we'll just do a little mini book review because it's so good and Aaron <laughs> promised me he would read it one day. Oh, well, maybe like whenever it comes out, maybe we can do like a book and movie review and stuff like that. So because mm -hmm. I think our next episode is going to be something else about a ki uh, adult kid book. So that's true. Uh, all thanks to our local library. Turn the camera. <laughs> Don't blink. We are coming up to our 100th episode, and we promise we're not just trying to combine two movies into every episode to stretch it out <laughs> as long as possible. It just keeps happening to have a theme. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, because again, we, we keep trying, like, oh, yeah, we'll do this and this for Ryan Reynolds. It didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> uh, we'll do this. <laughs> okay. Didn't work. We almost didn't do Secret of Kells. We were really close. It took close. us a while to find it, uh, but thank you to McKay's. And uh, thank you to our local library for our next episode. Yep. We couldn't be happier about that. If uh, you have an idea, because you've heard us talk forever, if there's a movie <laughs> that we mention all the time but have never talked about, let us know, and we'll talk about it. And, uh, yeah, we're, we always love uh, getting ideas from um – you know everyone else gotten a few that we've whenever we get them we try to do them so you can comment on facebook and the website is now completely updated so you can contact us there or at marriage the idea reviews at gmail.com uh any other final thoughts hmm. perfect megan i've got a final word earth it means the world to me <laughs> <laughs> okay that was the best joke out of all three that's the winner She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.